Welcome to the Kingsway Christian Fellowship Home Service. We hope that you'll be blessed as you listen to this audio sermon streamed live from Melbourne, Australia. Kingsway Christian Fellowship is a family Bible-based non-denominational church preaching Jesus Christ, based in Wonturner. Visit www.kingswaychristianfellowship.com. Now here is Pastor Werner Schultz. And it's Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you did on that cross for us, my God. We give all praise to you, Lord, and we pray that you would preach your word unto us through Pastor Werner, Lord, and we would hear it and accept it and learn from it. All thanks be to God the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Over to you, Pastor Werner. Thank you very much. Sean, I thank you for what you said according uh, or in regards to the communion. It's so important. Many Christians make a great mistake. They speak about the spilled blood of Jesus. Jesus' blood was not spilled, it was shed. Spilling blood is an action of an accident. But Jesus shed his blood, and that means something totally different. And that is actually the giving of the blood that was through his death on the cross and then presented before God in heaven. Thank you very much, John, to making it that clear. And I'm very clear about this as well. You wouldn't hear me to say that Jesus spilled his blood. No, he shed his blood and gave his blood for us. Praise the Lord. Now today, welcome everybody. I would like to talk about Christology to the Hebrews and the theme is moving to maturity. And uh, so it is in Hebrews chapter 5, the verses 11, and then perhaps chapter 6, the verses 1 to 20. But first, Let's read from chapter 5, 11. Concerning him, we have much to say. It is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For through by this time, you ought to be teachers. You have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil so far for the time being. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, and I thank you, your word will build us up. And I thank you, Lord, also for the communion we just had together as brothers and sisters. We all have been washed in the same blood, in the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are equal before you. 
and I bless your wonderful name. So I pray also, help me this morning to preach your word, and I pray give grace to speak your word, give grace to listen to your word, and also, Lord, I pray give grace to act upon your word. We bless your wonderful name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen, amen. It's so good to have the word of God. So now the writer to the Hebrews pointed out and made it very clear that actually these believers were still immature. And uh, he wanted to lead them to spiritual maturity. And it's important to understand that they were supposed to be teachers already. In that way, they should have known the truth so clearly, so thoroughly, that they would have been able to teach others. Now there's one person, Paul, or actually the writer to the Hebrews, wanted to make clear, and it was about Melchizedek, or perhaps as we say in German, Melchizedek. And this high priest, and we know about him, um, Abram met him when he came back from, this, from the uh, battle, and he gave him the tenth of that spoil he had there. Now, the so-called deeper teachings is important to understand what it is. Now, I know many, many false teachers in our days, they said, well, I want to teach you something very, very different. Not always about the cross. There's something else, perhaps. And many Christians opened their ears and said, what else is there to be preached? And here, the apostle, he made, this, made it very clear. And in the verses before, in chapter 5, he speaks about very clearly that Moses or Jesus is higher than Moses. And Jesus' priesthood is higher than Aaron's priesthood. And even the priesthood of Melchizedek or Melchizedek is only a picture of the priesthood of Jesus. Now, we want to focus not on the, on the picture or the symbol. We want to focus on the reality, and that is Jesus Christ. Now, interesting, uh, people say, well, do you always want to stick to the cross? And the song we just sang is so wonderful. And thank you very much, Caleb. And... Uh, um, our dear sister, it is true, I will cling to the old rugged cross. There is salvation being brought, and at this cross we have bowed our knees and experienced salvation in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, and all the other letters in between as well. That means Jesus is the beginning and the end and everything 
in between so-called deeper teachings that bypasses the cross and Jesus Christ is blunt heresy. Do we understand it? Everything that passes, pass, or passes by the cross or Jesus is heresy. Jesus is the center of our faith and we are Jesus focused this morning as well. Praise the Lord. Now, what is the reason why the apostle says, well, you are not able at the moment to understand more and more because he mentioned about this Melchizedek or Melchizedek is more to be said, but you are actually dull in hearing. That means actually you can't understand these things. Is it really, really so hard to understand anything about Jesus Christ and the blood and salvation is so easy that even someone who is not very much educated can understand it. And that's so important. Now, real Christology sees Jesus for who he is. He is the Logos, and that means he is God. That's so important. In Greek, it says, Kytheos and Hologos, and God was the Word. When it speaks in John chapter 1 about the Word, the Logos, it is God he is speaking about. And then in verse 14, chapter 1, and this Logos became flesh. It was Jesus' decision. Some Bible said, and he was made to become flesh. But I believe that it was Jesus' own decision to come to this world in order to give his life for a ransom for everyone. Hallelujah. Because he said clearly, in the book, in the scroll, it's written about me. I have come to do your will. Jesus was in no way forced to do the will of God. I have come to do your will. And that's so wonderful. And always and everyone or everywhere in the New Testament, we find that, that Jesus was obedient to the word of God, never being forced to do the word of God. Now he speaks here, you are still immature because you can't understand actually, and it's pointless to go with you through the things regarding Melchizedek or Melchizedek, as we in German would say. And that's very interesting. Melchizedek, he was a priest totally out of the Hebrew rules or um, the pattern of priesthood, but he was there. And he is, a, in one way, a picture for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Logos. Now let's read in 1 John chapter 2, the verses 12 to 14. And it says here, 
I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his namesake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young man, because you have overcome the evil one. I've written to you, children, because you know the father. I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. What we find here is very important. The Apostle John wrote to, this, to the people there, and made it very clear. They are children in Christ. They are young men and they are fathers in Christ. And this indicates a different level of maturity in their life. Now, interesting, we speak about your little children. All they knew is my sins have been forgiven. And you might remember when you first came to Jesus Christ that your life was full of joy. You knew there is no longer the dark cloud of judgment hanging over our head. My sins have been forgiven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Forgiven. And that's so important. We have a word in German and... I give you a little bit of German instruction. And it's good to learn about other languages too. There was a pastor and he borrowed a book to somebody. And uh, by the next occasion, uh, he asked for that book. He said, oh my, I'm sorry. Ich habe es vergeben. I give it to somebody else. Forgiven means our sins have been given to somebody else. To whom have they been given? My sins have been forgiven and given to Jesus. And my sins have been nailed on the cross when Jesus hung there on the cross. And it's important to understand Christology is that what the apostle wanted to teach here the Hebrews? And we know one thing in the early um, church and the uh, heresies that came in, was trying to sneak into the church, was this. Always pointed against Jesus Christ. Because all these philosophies of the old Greek or wherever they came from. They wanted to use perhaps the name of Jesus, but in a different twist. And so we must understand Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This is and must be the center of our preaching. And he says, I wrote to you, that's John the Apostle in uh, First uh, John chapter 2, I wrote to you children, 
And then he goes further. And I wrote to you, young men, and these are those who have been strengthened by the word of God and through the spirit of God. And there's a remark about this young man. You have overcome the evil one. And you know, young people, and you can see it everywhere, once they, or one, what they really like is so-called bodybuilding. Have you seen it? They're young people, especially men, young men. They go to the gyms and they try to pump iron and to build their muscles. And you can see them, they have muscles, packets like this, and they are proud of it. But one thing the apostle says here, young man, you have overcome the evil one. We see here from just as a child, little child, your sins have been forgiven. And it came then to more maturity. You young man, you have overcome the evil one. Hallelujah. And that's what we must grow into as well. And every young man who is listening to me this morning, the Lord has also called you to overcome the evil one in the power of the Holy Spirit. There is victory in the name of Jesus for everyone. And the Lord may bless you, young man. And then it speaks about, I wrote to you fathers, and fathers are even more mature because the fathers said, you knew the one from the beginning who is the father. And now who is our father or who is the great example for fathers in Christ? It is God himself. And Jesus said it very clearly that we should do the works of our heavenly father. And he is our um, picture to look at. Now dullness or dull ears produce tickling ears. Do you understand it? When we are not able to understand the word of God, not able to get into, then perhaps we might meet some who says, oh, well, you don't know about Jesus. Oh, the only thing you know, Jesus has forgiven my sins. That's wonderful. It's so important. But there is deeper teachings, deeper teachings. And one of the televangelists, he said once, I don't want to bore you with teachings you've heard 40 years. He meant perhaps the teaching about becoming a child of God. And I don't know, perhaps introducing false teachings which are not teachings of the Bible. Mature Christians have their senses trained. They know exactly what is right and what is wrong. They are accustomed to the word of righteousness. They understand very clearly, this is the word of God. 
they are able to discern not only good and evil, they are able to discern good and evil teachings. Now, I want to give you the rule of some, what is real teaching, what is false teaching, and how can we check it. Now, first of all, that's the rule of thumb. Is that so-called greater teaching that what Christ taught? If it's not that what Christ taught, is not good teaching. It is heresy. Is it the teaching the apostle thought or taught? The apostle taught the teaching of Christ. And we read in Acts chapter 2, after 3,000 souls came to Jesus and they remained in the teachings of the apostles. And the third thing is this, did the early church believe it? Was it taught in the early church? If yes, we must teach it. If not, forget about it. No matter how deep it might sound, so-called deep, deep teaching. I know of a Swedish pastor. He was preaching in Germany and he mentioned something that some people come and say, well, we have deep, deep, deep teaching. And he said, it's like um, um, water fountain. I don't know whether you understand it. In Europe, you have also deep holes and these are wells and the well it goes so deep that the water comes up and you can uh, take from it and he said some people are so they want to go so deep into the well and at the bottom when they come down they find a dead cat and that's all what they found and that's false teaching now so-called deeper teaching can't pass by and never must pass by the cross never must must pass by jesus the savior and the head of the church now there is need for more and deeper maturity let me read a few verses further from chapter 6 in Hebrews, verse 1, therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead work and of faith towards God, of instructions about washings and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partaker of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the power of the age to come and then fallen away, it is, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance since this 
again crucified for himself the Son of God and put him to open shame. For ground that drinks the rain which often falls on it and brings forth vegetation useful to those for whose sake it has or it's also tilled, receiving a blessing from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed and its ends up being burned. But beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you and things that, that accompany salvation through Though we, have, though we are speaking in this way, for God is not unjust so as to forget your works and the love which you have shown towards his name in having ministered in, and still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. And so that you will be not sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and, and patience inherit the promise. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you. And so, having partially wait, or patiently waited, he obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than himself and with them an oath, giving as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor in the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. This far. Now it's very interesting. We have read something and the apostle wants these Hebrews that they should uh, come to maturity <laughs> and they might become uh, accustomed to clear teaching. And this teaching always is about Christ and the cross and all about Jesus. Now he speaks here, and we know the verses in chapter 6, verse 8 
of one to eight, it's very important that we understand they were not mature. And there's one verse, and many young Christians, they have problems with that. I remember myself, and that is this. I had the thought as a young person, well, once, you, once you're born again, you should not sin anymore. You should not fall away. And if we fall away, we are crucifying Christ a second time. And that was the last thing I would do. Now it says it's impossible. We can't lay the foundation again. It is important if we fall into sin, we have a, an advocate who is with the Father, Jesus Christ. We can't lay our foundation of our faith, not again. And that's important. Every builder, and we know we have some builders also in our church, at least one. And we know how often do you uh, put the foundations for a house? How often? Only once. Now, and what happened after you made a mistake? Perhaps you laid out the inside walls in a wrong way. And you say, oh, I did a mistake. What do you do? Do you rip up all the foundations? No, you just correct the mistake. You correct it and keep on uh, building. And that's what the apostle is saying here. It is impossible to lay the foundations again. And we don't have to preach about this again. Pastor Gary, I remember you. A few years ago, you preached on this section in chapter 6 of uh, Hebrews that we not, not should uh, lay again the foundation, that we should grow into maturity in Christ. And what must we do? And there's one word the Apostle Paul forged when he spoke to the Philippians, the word press on, press on. If you made a mistake, don't say, oh Lord, my whole salvation is gone. You confess it to the Lord, turn around and press on. And perhaps this is something I have to preach for someone here this morning as you listen to me. I don't know what your week was last week, whether you had victory or you had some fall. I don't know, but I told, tell you, press on in the name of Jesus. This is the word of the Apostle Paul. Very clearly, and we can read it in Philippians chapter 3, the verses, self, uh, verses 7 to 12. Here it says, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things 
to be lost in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, so that I might gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own deriving from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being confirmed to his death in order that I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Now that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I also was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Press on if you're still living in immaturity and you haven't grown in Christ as yet and you fail so often, don't fall into a trap. And this scripture could sometimes bring young Christian into doubt because it's impossible to lay the foundation again. Once the foundation has been laid, and Paul says it very clearly, there is no other foundation being laid. And that is Jesus Christ, the foundation. Remain in Jesus is so important. Don't remain in immaturity. And that is close to falling away. And this scripture has become a stumbling block to many, also to me when I was a young boy, a follower of Jesus. Oh, I did a mistake. It's now everything, everything gone. And then we read from the Apostle Paul. He says, press on. And that's why this morning, if you have forgotten everything I have preached, but don't forget this word. Press on, press on, follow Jesus. Now it's impossible, it's important to go with the Lord, to go on in him. Now, here the apostle brings an example. The example of the rain that falls upon the earth. This morning we had a wonderful rain. Wherever you were, I don't know, but it has stopped raining now when I look out the window. But it was raining. Now, this rain was not falling for nothing. It is a purpose and every word of God we read and all the blessings of the Spirit of God is like fruit bringing rain upon us. And that is important. 
Now as the rain comes, so the apostle says, it brings fruit and produce for those for whose sake it has been tilted or cultivated. And that's also for you and me. And if there are thorns and thistles, these things will be burned away. And that's why our walk with Jesus must bring fruit. And so the apostle says here that we should not in any way give up, but rather press on. And that's the exhaustion to maturity. God has not forgotten you, your love for Christ. God has not forgotten. And as you came to the Lord with a zeal of God, you wanted to have salvation in Christ and the love for the brethren. And you know that you have heard me saying it many times. How do we know that we are born again? We know it by, and that's what the apostle says, by this we know that we have been born again because we, because we, I can't hear you, you're all unmuted, because we love the brethren, hallelujah. Do you love the brethren? Yes, if you do, you know what sign it is? You have not fallen away. You're still in the family of God. You're still there because you love the brothers and sisters. And if somebody falls away, really I mean falls away from the faith in Christ Jesus, what does he do? He retracts from the church. And that's the first step of falling away. And that's important. And he said, don't be sluggish. Be imitator of those who held through, who through faith and patience inherit the, pro the promise. And there is the example of the, of the father Abraham, our father of faith. Hallelujah. Have you studied the life of Abraham? Did he have some downcast moments? He sometimes did not live always in victory. And we know all the downcasts of Abraham. But one thing was this, he was pressing on. He saw something, what it was worthwhile to going through all the things. He wanted to inherit that place whose founder and founder of foundations God himself is. If he would have given up, he could have, could have returned back to Mesopotamia. No, he was there and he was holding fast onto the promise. 
because God made a promise to him and God swore to himself because there was no greater one. He could swear his legions of faithfulness to Abraham. Isn't it wonderful? That's the same. Jesus is still there for us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, and it says there, For as many as may be the promises of God in him, they are yes, wherefore also by him is our amen, though uh, through the glory of God through us. Do you know what is important? God made his promise for sure. Now it's for us. And that's why it says here, in him. Uh, let me read the verse again. For as many as may be the promises of God in him, they are yes, wherefore also by him is our amen through the glory of God through us. Can you say amen to the promises of God? He promised to you as well. In my Father's house are many living places or mansions. And if, if it were not so, I would say I'm going to prepare this place for you. Hallelujah. This promise stands still because Jesus said so. Jesus said so. And may the Lord bless you. I want to encourage you to strive for more maturity. That through the word of God, handling the word of God, and through the accustom, or through a custom of the word of God, that we might grow in maturity. I remember a little sink. Years ago, I helped my two sons building houses. And so, and there was a young a grandchild. I remember we were building, uh, working in the bathroom and according to good building skills, you put on the bathroom floor first cement sheets. And if somebody knows what I'm talking about, all these cement sheets have little dots. And you know what it means? These are dots you should nail the cement sheet to the yellow tongue board. Now that is a term everybody should understand who knows what a house is being built from. And it was fun for him. He was perhaps uh, five or six years, I don't know, and said uh, to his dad, my son, Dad, can I help you? We gave him a hammer. We gave him the right nails. It was no problem. There were many, many dots all the way around the edge of the sheet and across. And then he took the nails and hammered them in. You know, boys like to hammer nails. But after a while, his 
arm was a little bit hurting. And then he said, well, I have to do some ex exercise. My son had also a brain, uh, bench press, you know that? What a bench press is, all you young guys who did muscle building or mus muscle build or whatever, you know what it is? You lay down and then you have a weight and you lift it up. And he had this idea, when I do now quickly a little bit of uh, bench pressing, that my muscles will get strengthened again immediately. Of course, it didn't last long. No, it is the time we follow Jesus. The length of enduring with Jesus, living with him. That's where our muscles spiritually are being uh, developed. Okay, finally we got it finished and he learned one lesson. Muscles don't build by just one or five minutes. It takes a little bit more. Maturity in Christ is following Jesus day by day. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you also that you will lead us into maturity, that we might understand Christ even more and more. I pray for those, oh Lord, who are perhaps weak, Lord, and I want them to understand following you and knowing you made a promise, even you swore to Abraham that you will fulfill your promise you gave him. So, oh Lord, is your promise for us too. And your promise is this, that you are going to come and take us with you when the time is there. Blessed be your wonderful name. Help us to grow in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you.